not for this. So that's Sing where you draw the line. That's where you draw the line. I have to draw the line. And everybody will find out in my dislikes. Maybe maybe it'll get a song at the end if I'm in a good mood. Just do the do 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 do. Yeah, you could have done that one, or you can just do Will Smith's song. That is a that was that song went hard back in the day. I liked it. Which well, which one? Which one do you prefer? Do you prefer Here Come the Men in Black or Black Suits Coming? I prefer Here Come the Men in Black. Although Black Suit that that one was tight too, though that one was tight too, but. I like here comes the men in black. That that one was I like that one. That's all we wanted. That's all we wanted. In in it now. (laughs) I like the I like the black suits coming. That one is tight too, though. Yeah, black suits coming is. I I haven't heard that in a long time. Oh, go ahead. No, it's I'm. I was just gonna say I think the that first song it had more verses to it that you could sing along to. And I just remember that I always knew all the words to that one. And I think that's why I prefer it because it is that nostalgia thing. But also, like, I think the Black Suits Common only had like one or maybe two verses, but the first song had more. So I think maybe that's why I like it. Yeah. But what more do you need than Black Suits Common? <laughs> well, um, one more verse with it. That's all. And then it would have been good or better. It was already good. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are doing another episode where we where we are reviewing a movie for you, as we typically do. We are talking about Men in Black International. It is Heather Jastin and I, and we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the aforementioned Men in Black International. And we are going to start this off with uh, Heather. Heather, what did you like about Men in Black International? Men in Black International. Okay. Um, well, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so when, when the dynamic between Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson was good in this movie, it was really good. Of course, that... Is I think that's kind of expected because, I mean, if you saw them in Thor Ragnarok, you kind of know together they're really good. It is not as consistently good chemistry in this movie, but it is there in certain parts. And when it is, I did enjoy that. Um, That, of course, goes along with sort of a dislike I have as well. But when they did have those good dynamic moments, it was really good. So um, and then I like Tessa Thompson. Um, in this, I think that she did a really good job as sort of the lead in this and comparing this role with some others that I've seen her in. She's just really versatile and talented at being able to play any kind of role. Like you compare this with her one in the Creed movies or even Thor or um, the uh, Sorry to Bother You movie. Like she's just very versatile and she could do a lot of things. So um, sh- she just did a really good job of playing the role well. And same with Chris Hemsworth, obviously, by now, most people know he's good with humor and with serious roles, but it's always entertaining to see him in a more goofy role like this, where, you know, he just thinks he's a big shot and is kind of skating by on his past achievements. And it's just entertaining to see him in that vein. Um, For whatever reason, I really liked that they kept the original music, like at the beginning when they were doing the opening credits. Um, it It was just cool because you're... You know, like it's it was just a sense of nostalgia that kind of still makes you feel like you're in the same universe as the previous Men in Black films, which also to go along with that, I like the nod that they did to the original with the portrait that they had up of Agent K and J destroying that monster from the first one. That was kind of funny. You know, I, I enjoyed that. Um, so 
<laughs> I also really liked Agent C in this movie, who I believe you say his name, Rafe Ball, I think is how you say his name. But um, Agent C, honestly, I think he kind of shined in this movie as a supporting character more than most other characters, sometimes even more than uh, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. I mean, I really like I really like Liam Neeson as an actor, but Rafe's ball was this dark horse in this film. And I definitely think he he just stands out more than Neeson for sure. He does a good he, he's he's good with being this eager guy that is jealous of Agent H because, you know, he works twice as hard and just doesn't measure up. He's he's just really a good addition to the movie. And you just you kind of feel for his character a little bit. But he just just kind of really was a standout in this movie for what it was. Um, I liked all the fun weapons that they had and were able to hide um, in their car. That was pretty cool. Um, the suits, of course, looked great on the agents. They just did good at making this feel like it's a film that belongs in the world of Men in Black. Um, so I I did appreciate that aspect of it. Um, the main, <laughs> I'm kind of like it's it's like a, a love hate thing. Like the the main alien villains in this were they were pretty believable as these evil forces that were out to kill. But it was just kind of like it was random to do like their dance moves that they did in the club, like <laughs> whatever they were doing. They were sweet moves. I'm not gonna lie, but it was just very random in the film. But I did kind of enjoy seeing it because I like things when people dance. But it was just they they were good because they were silent aliens and they were very they they didn't need to say much and they just kind of served their purpose. So that was they did that well. Um, I like uh, Pawnee, the little alien guy that was played by Camille Nanjiani. Uh, he, I think he was a better alien sidekick than that pug was from the original films. Uh, that might just be me, might get some flack for that, but his interaction with both was just funnier and he was more of an important character overall. So, um, I liked him way more than I expected to, <laughs> like from the trailers and everything. I just, um, I figured all his funny jokes were all the ones that they showed in the trailer, but he was pretty consistently amusing throughout the whole thing. So I'm glad for that. Um, he was probably also, aside from agency, he was kind of more of a standout character, too. So that is all I got for my likes. Justin, your turn. All right. Here come the men in black. All right. So uh, MIB International. So, I mean, I'm probably just going to mirror uh, a few of the things that Heather had to say, because a lot of what she said were part of my likes. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the on-screen chemistry between Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. I really thought that that's what ultimately carries this movie. And I remember I spoke about this whenever we did the, the Venom podcast about how sometimes you can have these actors. And because of their charisma and because they're so likable and because we tend to like them, uh, th there's a tendency to sometimes overlook the material or the story that they're given because the two actors or the actor 
at whichever situation you're talking about, does such a good job at being compelling, is such a good job at being amusing, such a good job at getting those emotional beats right, that sometimes you tend to overlook certain things or at least not overlook it, but it 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 elevates the material as a whole. And I really think that the that duo, the moment that they got together in the film, that was a good they were just such a good duo um any they played off of each other well you could tell that they were having fun with this script you could tell that they enjoy being around each other and we're not unfamiliar with these two together on screen of course uh in thor ragnarok we got a little bit of that um, even even in the last Endgame, they even in this last Marvel movie Endgame, they had a scene towards the end of that that was a pretty nice, uh, heartfelt scene between the two of them. So we know that these two are comfortable with each other. We know that these two can act together. So it is of no should be of no surprise to anyone here that they both show up in this movie. That that is definitely the driving force, and often is what kept me. Uh, watching this movie was just uh, the interactions that those two were having with each other. Um, and um, she mentioned Pawnee, the alien. And I was going to definitely say he was another positive about this movie. Uh, a, a pleasant surprise, if you ask me. I really wasn't expecting anything from that character when I saw the character in the previews. But that character wound up actually being funny. Just some of the lines that he was given, the delivery of the actor um, who voiced him the and 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 there were just so many situations where I got a funny line that I didn't see coming or he would say something and I and I would chuckle or the movie theater would laugh about it and stuff like that and so that's one thing that I will admit I did laugh at a lot of the jokes and a lot of the uh, setups that they gave with that party character so that was another uh, positive, I think, about this movie. And then, um, not every time, but there were some times I thought that the the special effects were commendable. Um, like, I really liked some of the special effects with the vehicles and the cars and when, like she said, when they were taken apart and putting together these different guns based on vehicle parts or grab the exhaust pipe and that becomes a cannon or taking the rim off of a car and it becomes kind of like a, a Gatlin for a gun or whatever, or a Tommy gun almost like that shoots beams or whatever. So th there were some kind of creative ideas. I kind of wish we, that we could have maybe expounded on some of those ideas, but, um, but, but at least they were there. And some of those things were definitely pleasant to look at. Um, and, um, and as far as some of the other supporting cast, um, everybody I feel does a respectable job acting wise. Liam Neeson was okay, um, in this role. Nothing necessarily stood out as something I didn't like from him. And, um, he delivered all of his lines respectively, um, as the movie unfolds. And then you come to find out true intentions and things like that. I think that the actors handled all of those situations well, as best that they could with what they were given. So, uh, all in all, uh, I definitely have to, will get, will, you know, tip a hat to the acting performances, to the chemistry that the actors had on set and to the fun that, um, many of them seem to be having on this movie. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you guys a lot on 
most of that stuff. I mean, Apani was uh, my favorite thing in this movie. Um, I'll go back to something that we talked about at tra- Trailer Slayers once, uh, or at least something once. I don't remember. We talked about it once on the podcast. Um, that, uh, yeah, I, I, I completely called it. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth look good in suits. Definitely wouldn't be forgetting them. They wouldn't come and go as deja vu. They look just spectacular. Yes. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I like seeing what's her name, uh, Emma Thompson come back as O. Um, I agree with you, Heather, that the guy that played high C or not high C, I, I combined them agency and then Liam Neeson with high <laughs> T, which fuck, that was dumb. Just call him T. Like, oh, it's high T. Like, just all of a sudden it has to be British. No, fuck off. Anyway, no, I, agency. Um, I liked him. I liked that guy. He plays and he's in the Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and all those movies. Um, but no, I do. I really did like him. I thought he was a, a very understated, but like just very solid, solid character um, throughout all that. Uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. I mean, anything else, guys? Whoa. Did somebody hit you with the neuralizer? Did you forget all of your likes, Sterling? No, I had to fucking work very extra fucking hard to say those. Um, all right, I'm going to take that as you guys uh, don't have anything else to say. Nah. So uh, we'll go to the dislikes. And I'm going to start it off again with what essentially has been my mantra for the first few weeks of this summer you know, season, which is fuck this movie. Just fuck it. Like, dear God, did no one fucking try? Like, well, I say that somebody had to try because you have to try to make Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth as fucking bland and unlike negative charismatic as they were in this movie. They were anti charismatic. They actually took charisma away from themselves. Like, I feel like if I go watch Thor Ragnarok now, they will be less charismatic because of how just fucking non charismatic they were in this movie. And I don't think it was them because they have, if you ever see them interact with each other and like in other movies and all this other stuff, they've obviously got good chemistry with each other. And in this movie, just like, fuck, they had none until like the last like 15 minutes of the movie. They just like the director finally decided to go, okay, we'll make these guys charming like you guys wanted the other like hour and a half of this movie. I'll finally give it to you now. And it was so fucking charmless and boring and none of it made any fucking sense. It's like they learned. It's like they watched the old men in black movies and went, man. Okay. So as long as we have two people, they're charismatic and, and intriguing and unique and very dynamic in their own unique ways. And when we juxtapose them against each other, it actually makes that dynamic pop even more. So let's take that formula by doing fucking none of it. <laughs> <laughs> like why the fuck is a alien version of a pawn chess piece right the most entertaining piece of your movie just why like and they and they tried they tried to ruin that character they tried their damnedest to ruin Pawnee by giving away 99% of his dialogue in this movie in the trailers and commercials and everything they wanted you to like nothing <laughs> about this movie but you luck out that they kept just just enough of Pawnee hidden from you that it, it it made the character good and still very enjoyable. And like it was so weird because like Tessa Thompson weirdly had good chemistry with essentially an action figure and Chris Hemsworth had good chemistry with the same action figure, except whenever whenever they had them acting with like 
toward each other it's like they went now fight all of your normal instincts and just suck balls while you do this just turn in the shittiest performance you can and go i mean and they weren't they weren't bad acting performances like necessarily it's just they weren't the ones you wanted for this movie especially with these people like it's just they were so fucking lifeless like they had tessa thompson be the straight laced by the book you know super like not super agent but just the she was the young version of the Tommy Lee Jones character yeah. in a way. And then Chris Hemsworth was the senior agent version of the Will Smith character where he might not know everything, but he's got such raw natural ability and, and, and talent and, you know, instincts that nine times out of 10, he was going to be, he was going to be doing the right thing anyway. And they took those things, but they didn't really do a good job of really establishing those roles for the characters like i said tessa thompson was supposed to be like that good agent because she knows her shit character except she was new so she didn't know shit so you really had no reason to believe she was actually bringing anything to the table other than they conveniently wrote the script for her to bring everything to the table and i don't even mean that in a uh like mary sue way i i just mean that as like it was just a fucking poorly written character like that's exactly that's what that's what I mean by that as a poorly written character. And I mean, I think any uh, shining light the character did have was just because Tess, Tessa Thompson's just so fucking good and so delightful that she can make even the shittiest of characters at least slightly yeah. tolerable. And so much of this movie was just fucking not even needed. Like it really felt like they were just throwing things in this movie to just have some alien shit in this movie, like uh, the worms at the beginning. That was dumb. I get that. It's like, oh, look, the other three movies, because, you know, you need that to remind you you're watching a Men in Black movie. You need to see the talking worm characters, because otherwise you'd have no fucking clue what movie you were watching if we didn't fucking shoehorn them in there. Um, That version of Frank the Pug, that's just sitting there in the hallway at the mm-hmm. beginning. I get it. Nice little nod to the, the, the dead little dog. Because that dog is dead. Um, but yeah, just still pointless. Um, why Why was when the train, and I know this is going to sound weirdly nitpicky, but it super bothered me when I was watching this movie. Why was it when the train was in New York, it looked like a New York train, and then it turned into an alien train and went under the water and then stayed an alien train in London? Now, that would make sense for me if they got on that train at, say, Grand Central Station, where it needed to be disguised as a regular train. But that train showed up in Men in Black headquarters in New York. There were aliens getting on and off it in New York. Why did it need to disguise itself to essentially the same type of fucking people that it was going to not disguise itself to people in London? I don't know why, but that just really super bothered me. Like at first I was fine with it until the train started to transform. And I was like, wait, why was it in disguise? And I was like, oh, well, it's probably going to disguise itself when it gets to London. And then it didn't. It just showed the fuck up. Still looking like ultra high tech men in black train. And I was like, oh, they just did it so they could have a transformation scene. That's just so pointless and not even that good. <laughs> like, do you really care? Like if it was something where you're like, whoa, <laughs> that was that was some good scenes. No, it, it was just it was the same as every transformation scene you've ever seen ever. Yep. And yet they felt the need to fucking put it in this movie. No goddamn, like I, I don't know why, but but ultimately that that's what everything felt like in this movie. Like you know, they wanted to like show some like crazy alien stuff. So like the what you assume is the main villain throughout this movie is actually a like a famous yeah. pair of dancing twins, right? 
Um, they are super good dancers. I've seen I've seen them in some dance videos and stuff. They are amazing dancers. And I feel like they got them just to have a weird dance scene that didn't matter. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It was great though. But yes. Just did not matter at all. Uh like I felt like they <laughs> they had the alien at the beginning just so it could be a weird Australian alien at the end and that <laughs> what mattered for 15 fucking seconds and then stopped mattering. It only mattered for that weird plot line that didn't matter by having a three armed aliens arms dealer to just artificially cause some problems in the middle of the movie that, like I said, just that entire plot line does not matter. You know, I liked <laughs> certain aspects of it where like Chris Hemsworth is like, have you ever not, have you, have you not ever been like so like passionately in love that like logic went out the window and she's like no i have it and all this other stuff and then while you're watching all the scenes take place that have to do with that subplot you don't ever actually feel like chris hemsworth was either like for that character yeah at no point did it was i like oh he really loved her nope he felt it felt like he was more in love with um you know agent m and and he wasn't. I don't think that was the type of relationship they had, but that's how much it didn't feel like he was in love with the other lady. Oh, I thought he was more in love with Agent C than this fucking, you know, his ex in this movie. Um, they had they had some sexual tension when they were like flirt hate arguing. I loved they had good chemistry. I loved every second of those scenes. I was like, oh, they's about to fuck. What are you even talking about? When, whenever they're sitting there and they're arguing with each other, you did not feel like they were going to fuck. That's all I could think about in those scenes is I that they were about to I bone. can't say that I did. I don't oh think my. we watched the same movie then because anytime <laughs> they were on the screen with each other, I felt it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad these lights are dim because it's about to get sexy in this room. And then it never happened. And I was severely disappointed by that. But <laughs> well, then at least someone in the movie had chemistry then, right? Oh, yeah. No, they did. I loved every second of it, too. But no, the, the, they had the scenes with the three armed alien, you know, arms dealer. They just didn't they didn't matter. They did not matter at all. Um, spoiler alert. High T Liam Neeson's character is ultimately the actual bad guy at the end, which if you didn't see that coming, I don't know if you were watching yeah, the movie like, either. What the hell? <laughs> because this movie, this movie tried its damnedest to make you think that it was Chris Hemsworth that was the bad guy. When it, if you've got a brain cell, you know they're not going to make fucking Chris Hemsworth no bad guy in this movie. Right. Like, yeah, he he was a bad guy in, you know, the showdown at the El Royale or whatever the fuck that movie was. I, n I don't remember. It's not that good. But he was a bad guy in that movie. He can play a bad guy. I'm not saying that. But, you know, for damn sure, he's not going to be the bad guy in Men in Black when he's the main character. They don't have those balls. They don't. They don't have right. that that fortitude to do anything like that in this movie. Now, would you have would you have liked it if they had done that twist? Yeah, if he had actually been the bad guy, yeah, I would have actually respected the fuck out of it. Hmm, okay, because you're you're legitimately telling the audience that we have this main character, but the main character, you know, is ultimately there to serve the purpose of the narrative, which is what matters. And I I would have legitimately enjoyed that if Chris Hemsworth actually was the bad guy like they were just hinting at nonstop. But like I said, you just you knew it wasn't him. And also, like what the fuck was all this stuff for? Like why did they act like he went through some deep, dark, just ultra PTSD type of shit? Like anytime that somebody like 
like the alien touched him and like impassed him and all this other stuff. And he was like, you've changed. He literally like, according to men in black and according to this movie, he lost about 30 seconds of time in his life. 30 seconds of memories were erased and they act like he had gone on some weird gone to like, war alien alcohol bender and just like committed genocide and just suppressed all of it in his depression or some shit like they severely <laughs> acted like he or like that he was going and accidentally killed like an alien child and he's having ptsd flashbacks so he acts like a bumbling jackass all the time to, to hide from the pain that he's just truly living of every moment of his existence from this point on and nope nope just forgot 30 seconds where uh an alien did something to not even him so that that's cool i guess and on top of that that was a stupid plan so the the, the main villain in this movie like i said is agent high t but it's the hive and the hive can infect things at a molecular level um by i don't know hiving you they never really explained how it happened they make it look like touching but then they touch everything and they don't infect it so i don't know i guess it's prolonged touching um maybe it's ba bathroom uh bathing suit area touching i don't know what it is that helps them uh transmit themselves but they were able to do that to liam neeson to then neuralize chris hemsworth character instead of why didn't they just infect him too and have two people doing their bidding yeah that would just make way more sense to me like why go out of your way to not just infect the other guy that's standing there to build a cover where then if both of you are both secret alien bad guy agents you can both make covers for each other and be double fine because the only reason why anybody second guessed Liam Neeson's character is because of how much of a buffoon fucking Chris Hemsworth character becomes in the movie or at least what you interpret as him being a buffoon because that's what everybody says more or less they never actually use the word buffoon but they just always constantly comment on how he's different than he used to be which apparently that was the most important 30 seconds of his entire life because it just ruined his life from every second from that point on oh i don't even feel like i've scratched the surface with how much i was bothered by this movie i still feel like i've got more to say um i guess i'm gonna let you guys go and i'll do like last time where I'll let you guys say your parts. And when I'm inevitably reminded or inspired or I don't know, I might not even care at that point when you guys are done. Because it's really hard to give a fuck about anything with this movie. Like at all. And that's sad because Chris Hemsworth is wearing a very nice suit. And you can't even make me care about that. I don't know. Justin, what did you not like about this movie? All right. Well, here goes the men in black because this was uh um yikes i mean you you kind of took a few of the things that i definitely was gonna say as dislike so um, uh, so a moment ago i was talking about how um tessa thompson and chris hemsworth they b b because they are good actors and actresses they can sometimes elevate material that they can sometimes make something seem better than what it actually is. And I just feel that those two are just so charming that sometimes uh, th that people will watch this. And if they walked out liking it, it's just because simply they like those two actors. But this script just gave these characters nothing really to do. I mean, it was just so bland and uninspired and that's a word that i just keep coming back to to describe this movie i didn't feel that there was really anything inspired about it everything 
about the plot at the end and who the actual antagonist was going to be was so predictable and you could easily see it coming a mile away. And a lot of these characterizations and plot points just didn't make any sense. Like Sterling talking earlier about uh, about Chris Hemsworth's character, Agent H, and how the when that alien touched him and said oh you've changed and i can't trust you with this with this weapon so i'm gonna give it to um to agent m i'm gonna give it to tessa thompson who is new and how could i trust her more than him because i've just met her but okay i'm gonna give her this weapon and i could totally get it and i would have totally been cool with that if maybe you do find out at the end that the hive was controlling Chris Hemsworth somehow. If they had control of him at the end, then a lot of that buildup, a lot of these comments about him changing and his behaviors and stuff like that, a lot of that would have made a lot more sense to me. And then, you know, there could have been these scenes where uh, maybe Tessa's character is trying to get him to recall things that he can't or he's trying to remember details that he can't. And so it be- kind of becomes this thing where she's trying to figure out, OK, what's wrong with him? He seems a little off. There's something about him that's off. And that all could have culminated at the end with him being controlled, but that's not really what we got here. So these people are telling me that something is wrong with this character, like that that Agent H has changed and everything like that. But all I saw was him just kind of being like this playboy, kind of adventurous, a little cocky, a little arrogant, but in his own way, charming type of person. Nothing about what he was doing, and he was reckless, but he just seemed like a reckless person from the get-go. It, I, nothing about that spelled, oh, that there's something wrong with this person or, oh, there's something. Like, there wasn't even those moments of conflict where maybe he was like, well, maybe I should save my own ass. But then he decides, ah, you know, screw it. And then he helps Tessa Thompson. There was nothing. Like, this narrative just gave me nothing to care about that plot point or try to understand why what was different about Chris Hemsworth or what made him and you know they just kept saying oh he's the best agent he's he was the he's the best that we have here and oh he's the greatest here and everything like that but 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 what made him the best i mean what 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 made him the best like i didn't see it like yes okay they were surviving and they're you know they're surviving against these alien attacks and stuff like that but tessa thompson's new and she's surviving too so what what made him so special i mean i know chris hemsworth looks great i know that he has a great smile and he looks incredible and he's in great shape i understand all of that Uh, you know and he looks great with his shirt off but those aren't things that but just because he looks great (laughs) that's not enough to convince me that he was the best i didn't understand that either and i get okay maybe he had instincts or maybe this that and the other but i don't feel like any of that came off well in the movie i didn't understand why he was the best Uh, He didn't always seem to make the best decisions. He didn't always seem to, if anything, I I mean, he just didn't seem like the best to me. So those are just two examples like 
that plot point about him being the greatest agent ever or whatever, and then the other stuff about, oh, he's changed. I don't feel like this narrative did enough of any of either of those things to really convince me of those things. I didn't see any wisdom. I didn't see him imparting any lessons onto Tessa Thompson. And Tessa was like, damn, Chris Hemsworth is, you know, Agent H is on point with that. Like, I, I didn't I didn't feel like I got any of that. So as and so just to get off that those points, I think I made my point with those. But as the movie progresses, I just don't feel that anything very interesting really happens in this. And I mean, the character, the other characters that they introduce, we didn't spend enough time with them. So you don't really care about them either. Um, just illogical things are you know, happening left and right. And, and and yeah, when you get to the end of this and it culminates and you find out what this plan is, it just really didn't make any sense to me that the hive would infect this one agent. And for what was it, 10 years, 12 years, how long did they infiltrate the MIB? Wasn't it like <laughs> double digit years that he was posing? No, no, no. You're thinking of when the the beginning would test like it starts with the the hive invasion then goes 20 years into the past i thought i don't know either way it goes back and forth but the, it, that's the difference between tessa thompson seeing the alien her, her parents get neuralized and the hive event is 20 years so how long okay so how long was our hive henchman how long was he inside of Liam Neeson or infected Liam Neeson? And they went back to MIB. How long was that? Because I thought that was some years. I thought that was not 20 years, of course, but. I think it's a couple of years. I think it's a couple of years. I know. I know you're right on that. I mean, who, who fucking knows? It could have been like six yeah, minutes. Who knows? I but I mean. You're there all that time. You would have thought, hell, one mole. Shouldn't there have been multiple moles? I mean, shouldn't there have been like, hell, half of the MIB should have been hived, like more than half. I mean, if you spent years uh, posing and doing this and you're looking for this weapon and you're, you're, you really need this weapon and you're going to destroy everything because you got to get this weapon, like, I just felt like there would have been more to this. And like you said, why wasn't Chris Hemsworth infected? Why wasn't he one of the people they were controlling? Why weren't there other agents that he was controlling? Like he should have had control over a lot of that MIB way more than it was. So that was just a little jarring to me that he was there that long and, you know, hadn't infected anybody at all. So that was just weird. You know, that I was like, okay, if this dude was really wanting to find this weapon and he was really trying to do this, man, damn near this whole MIB would be compromised. But I guess it's either here or there. But yeah, I, but, but, also, but, and, and then just the fact that you could see that coming a mile away, even if it was trying to set up this kind of whodunit or who could be the bad guy type of thing. Because you didn't really open the floor to it could be this character or it could be that character or it could be because there weren't many options for us to begin with when it comes to this narrative. You just knew that it was going to be Liam Neeson. I mean, you just knew and, and you knew that the uh, the other one, Agent C, 
the one who was always uh, backbiting back and forth with Chris Hemsworth, you knew it wasn't going to be him because that was too obvious. And they kept telling me bad things about Chris Hemsworth, but they but they weren't showing me anything bad about him. They, were, they weren't showing me questionable actions or moments of conflict really with him. The, nothing convincing enough for me to go, oh, he could be this mole in MIB. So that just ultimately came off as very predictable. And like I said, to me, it's just a product of a very uninspired script. And I just keep coming back to that word because, man, I, I mean, I just know that there could have been more to this. I've seen these actors act in Thor Ragnarok and different things like that. And I know that Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson can bring it better than this. I know they can. I, I've seen them act better than this. I've seen them be more compelling than this. So even if you liked this, I don't know how you could walk away and not at least think you deserved better than this, that you deserved a better story than this. I mean, this this film just really just feels like one of those quintessential cash grabs that we often get from Hollywood. And from what I'm hearing, as far as box office is concerned, it's going to have to grab a lot more cash to break even because it didn't do well in its opening um, in its opening weekend. But that's what this feels like. It just is so formulaic. It is just so bland. And it is just so by the numbers that, I mean, I couldn't help but walk out and be disappointed. And when I walked out of this with my friends, and this is the last thing I'll say, when I walked out of this with my friends, all we kept talking about was ways that this could have been better, were things that they could have done. Why wasn't more of the MIB infected? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Why wasn't Will Smith in here for some kind of, at least some kind of camp? Yeah, the painting was cool, but hell, if you're going to introduce characters that don't matter and do all of these actions and things that don't matter, well, then why not just pay him for no reason and have him walk in and say some say some bullshit right. and then leave or whatever the case may be? Why not? I mean, if this is the movie I got, then why not? You should have just went all out with the craziness then if this is what you were going to give me. But anyway, I digress. Those are some of my dislikes about the film. Heather, your turn. Yeah. I mean, the this movie has the same problem as X-Men Dark Phoenix has, where it doesn't really give us anything we haven't seen before done in a better way. Um, every major thing, for the most part, is very obvious with what's going to happen and not the most creative. So this is just it's not something that worked in their favor at all. Um, Another thing is that I do get that um, Agent M is, you know, she's on this probationary period and all that. But it was weird to me how they didn't even put her in any sort of training like you see them do with Will Smith's character. You know what I mean? Like that was such a fun scene and a fun moment of that first movie. And um, it was just very memorable and it was original. They could have done some good character building with that and humor and even a little more understanding of Agent M's skill set and personality a little bit with a scene where they show her going through training. It also didn't make sense how she was just so easily able to fight the Riza alien, <laughs> the three armed, three armed arms dealer lady as well as she did, since there was no alluding to her having any combat experience at all, you know? Um, 
So that kind of caused me to not suspend my disbelief as much as they probably wanted me to. She just goes from a call center person who has a job at her computer all day to just knowing how to use weapons with minimal issue and fight fairly well. It just felt random and underdeveloped in a sense. So I think for me, I was just kind of thrown off by that. Um, the dialogue was just super basic. And I guess I just wanted a little more of the smart humor that we got, if that makes sense. Most of those lines came from Pawnee um, and not the agents, which is how I would have liked to see it. Because let's be honest, it's really hard not to compare this to the original movies as we've been doing. Um you know, and the witty banter back and forth between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones was just really good. So that aspect was very lacking in one. And um, yeah, so like you guys had said before, like Pawnee kind of just stole the show a little bit. <laughs> other than that, I I mean, other than what you guys have been saying, I don't have much else. It's honestly mostly that it was very typical and basic and not innovative, really, in any sort of way. Um, I mean, it's not something that I would say, like, this is the most terrible movie I've ever seen. Like, you know, it's <laughs> I've definitely seen worse movies, but it just made me feel like very indifferent in a sense. So that's that's pretty much my thing. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say more. I do. But at the same time, I don't want to get the give this movie the satisfaction of getting me to go full on rant. Even more so than Dark Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, maybe I need to go at least mini rant. Because this movie did, it, it, it really tried to ruin uh, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth for me. I mean, what's what's this, the, this director's name? Gary F. Gray or something like that? F. Gary Gray? Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed uh, Fast and Furious 8, Fate of the Furious. I think he also directed Straight Outta Compton. Um, I mean, this guy knows how to direct. He knows how to direct even action movies. Um, I just, oh, I just feel like everybody but the actors themselves just mailed in their jobs. <laughs> I mean, they still use the same Danny Elfman score from the first one. You know, the directing was terrible. The script was terrible. Even some of the special effects, they were really wonky at times. Like there were times you could super tell that they were not, they were, they were just in a room that was green screen. Like it was two people in a green screen room, just sitting on green screen things. <laughs> yep. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it went, it went zero to a hundred so fast with how quickly they wanted to just get you to the look. Tessa Thompson's a member now. Like that's what made the first one so much fun was like seeing these tests where, you know, it's the best of the best of the best, sir, with honors. Right. Yeah. It's he's going up against these just top level military people. And for I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was just he failed every test, <laughs> but at the same time passed every test and i wanted to see a version of that with tessa thompson's character exactly i wanted to see her like learn things and 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 do things and truly show what makes her unique because dear god and, and maybe this is this goes back to what you were saying justin this movie did a lot of telling me what things were and did not do a lot of showing me what things were mm-hmm. you know they just kept telling me that molly was special that she was you know applying to all these places and all these places were telling, you know, her that she was more than qualified 
and you know all this other stuff yet you know she was turning them down because she was looking for the men in black and all this other stuff and you know i wanted to see how she knew that the tabloids were the actual real news for aliens and stuff right like if she had been researching the mib like show it you know yeah like i wanted you know she just automatically knew i like i i know that we know those things based on the other movies but i still want to know how tessa thompson fucking knew i had to watch men in black one to find that out what did she watch exactly you know like you can do the international version of men in black but maybe just keep it to london and paris don't go to like 90 different other locations you know keep it london and paris streamline the plot down and essentially revamp the first movie like do that because you're introducing these new characters and you're basing your character types off the first movie you're basing your you know the journeys these characters are going on in a lot of ways off the first movie you're aping the first movie every chance you get except you don't want to do the first movie just do that reboot the first movie put it in london or paris or wherever the fuck you want to put it so it's still international and just have your characters be these two people and just let the movie really demonstrate you could still have Pawnee in there you can still have the hive in there you could still have agent c be in there you could even still still have a high t you know be infected by the hive and die from it you can still have all of that in this movie but you gut out that pointless scene where they were like in what morocco or wherever like the oh, entire yeah. time they're out in the desert is just utterly pointless yeah like you literally could cut that out of the movie and i don't think it would be different you might be like hey their clothes are different and that's it but you could go from point a to point b and i don't think they would actually you you would really tell a difference in this movie and that just goes to show how unnecessary that was and that if you had just expanded upon all these other things that you told us about but didn't show you know and you could even hint back to you know if you still wanted to keep the whole chris hemsworth's been in love and it ruined him and all this other stuff or i don't know I, I guess that's what they were saying love is. Love is shitty. I think that was the moral of that part, is if you fall in love, you're stupid. That was the <laughs> lesson I learned from that scene. Anyway, um, and if you save small things, they might kill people for you later in life. So save small things. Um, but streamline it down and just retell the first movie with a different type of character dynamic that Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson can bring. You know, streamline it. You could still have her track down the MIB. And that can be the difference between like her character and Will Smith, where Will Smith just was, you know, natural policing instinct helped him get into the MIB where hers can be her just natural, like, fuck you, I'm going to find you MIB. you know, you can still have that be her motivation. You can still have her find it that way. You can still have the alien that she saved at the beginning of the movie save her in some point in this movie. You know, you can still do all those things that they wanted to do and that they set up. Just do them smarter and better in, in a script that's smarter and better. Like, I don't know. I just, it's just one of those things where every time they had the opportunity to make a decision in the movie, they can make the right, they can make the wrong choice, the right choice, or just the blah choice. And I feel like they actually chose the blah choice just every time. Just the in the middle, not yes, you're not the right way, not the wrong way, just a way, just a way for every scene and decision in this movie. And I mean, I hate being this person, but I mean, it's not even up on that nostalgia bullshit. It's every cool thing that they did in this movie really was just an, like a stolen version of a fucking scene that was just done way better in the first one. 
or third one. I don't think a good scene exists in the second one. I try to block most of that one out of my head. But if there is a good scene in that movie, I'm sure they stole it too. Anyway, Heather, what's your uh, recommendation and score? Hmm. Um, like we were saying, the movie's pretty standard in the storyline and order of events of what these films are. So I would say I was amused enough, but not enough to call it great or a must-see in any sort of way. It's very predictable. I mean, like you guys said, like I knew when I saw the trailer that Liam Neeson was going to end up being the bad guy, you know, so (laughs) I'm not known for always catching predictable things, but, you know, so take that for what it's worth. But yeah, I think, you know, if you want something not deep, not heavy, just something to do for an afternoon, sure, go watch it. Like even maybe with younger kids, they might enjoy this or appreciate it, especially like if they're young enough that they haven't seen the original Men in Black, maybe they won't notice the big difference in how not great this is compared to them. (laughs) But I've definitely, like I said, seen worse movies, but I have also for sure seen a lot better. So um, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend it unless you're just trying to find a movie that you feel is kind of like a family friendly, you know, every age can probably enjoy it for the most part kind of movie. Um, My score is going to be, and I I do have to preface this because of the scoring that I gave Dark Phoenix. So I I have to make it better than that because I liked it better than that. (laughs) Um, 55 marriage proposals on top of Eiffel Tower out of 100. Which that reminds me, that was a stupid scene too. Justin, recommendation and score. (laughs) Well... Unfortunately, Cine fans, this is not here come the men in black. This is more like meh in black because that's really what this was, man. I just I I walked out and I shrugged my shoulders. I looked at the friends that I went and watched this with and we just kind of just grumbled out of the theater talking about what everything that just could have been better. And that was a two hour conversation because This is just so mind-bogglingly bland and uninteresting and just uninspired. So do I recommend this? No. There are some movies that are coming out that, 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 that really you should probably spend your money on. We got Toy Story next week. We got Child's Play next week. We got, hopefully I don't eat my words on the child's play though. We got, uh, there are other movies coming out later on in the summer that are, that will probably be infinitely more interesting and more inspired than this. So if this is one, is this one that you have to see? No, you don't have to see this right now. You can wait and red box this or rent this, but this is definitely not what I would call a must see. So my recommendation is watch something else, save your money, you know, do the, make this a rental or a Netflix or something like that. Whenever it's released on one of those outlets, um, as far as a score, I'm going to go with 44 neuralizers <laughs> for hitting me for every single minute of this film so that I can forget it out of a hundred. Oh, man. So for me, I'm going to put in the exact amount of effort into my recommendation and score as anyone outside of the four or five main character uh, actors did. And fuck it. It's a zero. So thank you guys for listening. 
Um, check us out at cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Instagram uh, and Twitter, which is cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on Facebook, which is cinema slayers. Uh, we do have a threadless store. We've got some merch. We've got some new merch coming your way. We've got some more podcasts coming your way. We've got more podcast type coming your way. We've got a Patreon coming your way. We've got so much shit coming your way. You would think we are a better version of Men in Black. That didn't make any sense, but it did in my head when I started that sentence. <laughs> And I never quite finished it, which is kind of an allegory for this movie. Somebody came up with an idea to make a men in black movie for, and they were like, we're going to have a woman. We're going to have a guy. And that's all the thought they put into it. Fuck this movie. And remember guys, according to Justin moon Knight as a, is a best picture winner. See, I even fucked up my catchphrase on my outro because fuck this movie.